This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DTV Digest. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me, as usual, are Richard Hawes. Hello, everybody. And Stephen Lockridge. Hello. This is our first show back. Um, so, Happy New Year. Um, we've got two action films to be looking at this evening. We're going to kick off with One More Shot. If you're an action fan, you know what that's a sequel to. Then we have um, a film from a new uh, filmmaker, Lost Phoenix. Then we have our short shot, which is Friends Forever. And I'm going to wind up with a DTV throwback, The 13th Floor. So without further ado, let's crack on. Our first film, then, is One More Shot. Following the attack on the black site in Poland, Navy SEAL Jake Harris is ordered to escort terrorist suspect Amin Mansur to Washington, D.C. for interrogation. However, shortly after handing over Amin to a U.S. senator and Homeland Security, a team of highly trained mercenaries attack, and Jake finds himself in the thick of it once more. So... We kicked off 2023 with one shot, I believe. Oh, did we? <laughs> Sorry? Did we? I don't remember. That's yeah, yeah, that was, that was one oh. of the first ones we covered. Oh, how funny. Um, um, so so now we've got the sequel. Uh, it follows on more or less the same. What One of the things I did like about this is it's... You know, it's it's not completely slavish to the format. In fact, you know, we, we do start off with... Um, sort of camera footage from another team, you know, this this Homeland Security team going in, mm -hmm. um, which is you know being edited together and stuff. And I think, oh, okay, this is going to be a bit different. Um, but then we get, you know, then it jumps into the format that we're sort of more familiar with um, with this ongoing series. I'm going to go over to Steve first. I'm going to keep my powder dry. What did you think of One More Shot, Steve? Um, I really enjoyed this. Um, I'll be honest, I don't remember us doing the first one. Yeah, we did. Uh, maybe it was before I joined, because it was too, well, it says here 2021, the first one. Was it so, that long ago? Maybe it was 20, yeah, maybe it was beginning of 2022 then we did. Yeah. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah, that, long, yeah, that, makes, that makes more sense. Yeah, two years ago. Yeah, so I, I, mm. I don't remember seeing it, I'll be honest. But, okay. I mean, I've, I've literally just found out it was a sequel now. <laughs> oh <Holy> crap! <laughs> At least this twenty seconds ago when you mentioned it, but um, yeah, I mean, like I say, it it starts off. You've got the little bit with the on the boat, not the boat, the ship shipping container. Yeah, the shipping containers. Yeah, and then you know, I'm thinking, all right, okay, so you got five minutes, five minute tracking shot, not not bad, not bad, and then it keeps going. <laughs> and going and going and go. I'm like, oh, oh shit! No, they're really going for it here. And yeah, I was really impressed with it. It's it's done really, really well. I mean, to be fair, I mean, normally when 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 you find out that it is like, you know, like say like 1917, it's all you know, supposed to be all one shot and stuff. Mm. You can normally spot the edit points. Yeah, 
with this, I, I couldn't really. I mean, I'm presuming there's, there's maybe a couple, or I don't know if they did it all, all in one shot. I don't know. But... I, yeah, I imagine there's a few, but like like you, I mean, there's, there's other films. I remember there was an Argentinian film called The Silent House, mm. which was which was meant to be all one shot, and that was probably the first time I'd come across this particular format. You know, this 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 thing, and everyone in the audience because it was at Fright Fest. Is yeah. is is looking for those points, you know, but yeah. but this, I I just didn't care, you know, it wasn't the concern no. whether, you know, I I just went with it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I didn't. I mean, I was I was kind of looking, but I'll be honest, I didn't spot any. Um, but I I thought it was really impressive, really good. I'd say the only downside for me was, um, when the bodies revealed. Hmm. Uh, well, not 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 so much the reveal, just the performance. I thought she was just too shrill and over the top, and it didn't work for me. But everyone else, I thought was was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I must say I I also love this. Um, you know, there is always that sort of worry with with, with a sequel, whether or not you know, it, especially when the format is, is is so similar to the original. You are worried yeah. if they're going to just sort of be copying what they did before. But this is much more expansive, um, and even you know, he gives himself James Nunn gives himself more technical challenges. There's that whole bit inside the cars, yeah, yeah, you know, which admittedly reminded me of the Raid Two a little bit. But you know, mm. I thought, well, he's clearly watched Ray, the Raid Two and, and thought, yeah, we can do this. You know, we can do this whole sequence, or even um, uh, children are meant to me. Children of Men or, or Extraction 2 is, is another one, uh, Sam Hargraves. You know, there's that sort of thing. The, the whole, you know, the, the ambush for the cars and everything I thought was absolutely great. Um, there, there is a little bit, you know, we've got Michael J. White, who's sort of leading the, um, you know, the, the mercenaries. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, I'm thinking, is he just talking? Is is it is this just a talking role for him or what? You know, <laughs> but eventually the film does manage to put, you know, him and yeah. Scott in the same scene, and yes, you know, fists and feet start flying. I, I really did enjoy that. Um, the choreography was done by Tim Mann, who's one of my favourite choreographers. He, he did um, some of um, Scott Atkins' best work with um, Hitman and. Um, Oh god, the um, Ninja Two, Shadow of a Tear, um, things like that. Um, re- a really good, you know. If you ever see Tim Man's name on the um, the credits, you, you know you're going to be in for a good, a good fight at the very least. Um, over to to Rich. What did you make of One More Shot? I thought it was, uh, you would say like um, James Dunn. You know, they uh, gives himself more technical challenges in in this sequel. One of the, the interesting things I thought was how he went from. Uh, a day shoot to a night shoot or night shoots mm-hmm. i should say so the first story was all set during the day essentially mm. and this one is all taking place in sort of a lot of wee small hours or, or overnight kind of thing so it's, it's a much so aesthetically it looks very different to the first film uh, because of that and also you've got a very different environment the other the first film was quite a um it was a black site, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah but yeah. compound. There's lots of exterior stuff, and that they do the same kind of thing here. But there's much more. There's much. There's much more space to work with because here they shot. Although it's uh, in both cases, both films were are set outside 
of the UK, but were shot in the UK. So the first mm. one was set in Poland, but I think it was shot in Suffolk. Uh, mm. This one is set in Baltimore, I think, International right, Airport. Yeah. Um, but it was actually shot at Stansted Airport, which right. made me really because I, I I always travel out of Stansted, so so I've got a fondness for the place. And so uh, you've got um, Scott Adkins and Aaron Tony having a having a scrap on the transit, which mm. is a nice little throwback to um, uh, one of uh, Scott and James Nunn's first films together which was eliminators where Eliminate, he had a fight on the yeah. uh on the cable car the cable uh, car from was, arsenal was stadium yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah so that was uh well it's the uh, it's the, it was the West yeah it goes over to the o2 uh, sort of way it goes from the from the from greenwich peninsula over to um well the other side whatever i don't think it's near a football stadium as far as i'm aware but i might be wrong mm. uh, i don't really know that part um mm. but anyway the yeah so Stansted Airport is a location. You can, see, if you know what you look at, you can see little bits of Ryanair sort of stuff that they they haven't quite covered up, but um, they've got this like kind of fake airport brand that's sort of put around the place to sort of make it look a bit different. Um, the so yeah, so the, the airport location is really great. I mean, fantastic. I mean, to me, it's amazing that an airport would yeah. want an action movie about terrorists at an airport <laughs> filming there. Um, so I think they really, you know. They they managed to get this great location, which is which is fantastic. Um, really adds some production value, uh, adds some diversity, like you say, to the location. The the film because it's kind of the way it is in terms of uh, what the plot is and the the you know the device that it's going for does feel a lot more like Twenty Four this time hmm. than the first one. The first one felt a bit more distinct. This one feels very much like Twenty Four. Um, which isn't a bad thing, but it is it kind of on your on my it was on my mind as a fan of Twenty Four. I was kind of mm -hmm. reckon, you know it seemed like certain similarities. I thought um, uh, really interesting to see Tom Berenger in this, mm -hmm. which is great. He's really looking his age though, um, yeah. but it was great to have him in it. What I didn't realize was this is the third film I think that him and Michael Jai White have both been in. Oh, I know okay. I don't think in this they share any scenes, but they've also got as good as Dead. And um, Cops and Robbers, which I've got to catch up on, which um, uh, they both kind of headlined those two. Um, uh, by the way, just a side note, the outlaw Johnny Black is available uh, on digital uh, release. Oh, so if anybody wants to go and check that out. The, um, yeah, so uh, the, say the, the fight scene on the, on the transit was a highlight for me. But, you know, all the action, as you would expect with Scott Adkins, Tim Mann, J James Nunn, <laughs> they're a great crew. Mm. It's Michael Jai obviously, um, it, you know, it's it's as you would expect. It delivers on all fronts. I don't think there's going to be anybody who's disappointed uh, with what they've come up with. Uh, the, you know, the concept was, you know, a, a risk when they, when they made the first one paid off massively. So, you know, that they've been able to get the funding to do this, to do this follow up. I, I'd be surprised if they try and do it a third time because, you know, how many how many times is he going to want to do the same thing over and over again? But I think it was an interesting exercise. They haven't really done. Uh, James Nunn's done a couple of sequels. You know, he did he did Marine Five, and then he did a sequel to that, yeah. um, both with The Miz, I think. Uh, which again, I haven't seen because they've actually been really poorly distributed in the UK. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, as well as directing, say another sequel he directed with, with the first film he did with uh, Scott Adkins was Green Street Three. So he's done sequels to other people's properties. He's not done a sequel to his own. So I thought that, I think that's a uh, probably why he was more open to doing this. It's got, it gives him an opportunity to stretch the con stretch his legs on his own concept for a change. Um, 
as well as you know, so he sort of dips in and out of uh, others. You know, say he did the shark bait movie and stuff. But James mm. Dunn is, you know, he's the leading one of the leading lights in in British Absolutely. action movie filmmaking. You know, you've got you got Jesse Johnson out there as the veteran, mm. and then you got and then you got James Dunn as kind of the the the, the sort of uh, well, he's not even a young upstart anymore because he's been doing this for quite <laughs> a few years now. But you know, he's still quite young. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. only ten years since he made his debut. Uh, or 12 years, I should say. They say his, his first film was Tower Block in 2012. He's Tower not Block actually been around that long, but yeah. he's a massive. Yeah, I need to see it. I do need to see it. The first yeah, film of his cool. I saw was Green Street 3, which I do really like. I um, like that as well. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, he's you know, every with every film he's, he's you know, delivering. Uh, uh, I'm really interested to see what he and hopefully he and Scott come up with next. Uh, I'd like to see them continue working together, basically. Uh, you know, you never know. It might be an Accident Man 3 collaboration or something like that. That would be really cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, so or, I don't say this one's getting a lot higher, a lot of buzz on uh, socials and that. People getting excited for it. It's getting a digital release in the United States. So over here, it's on Sky. Um, and you, you can, say, America, uh, North America, you better get on VOD. So, uh, right. yeah, around the same time. They're both coming up. Be, it should be everywhere, I think, within or at least in the main territories um, by the middle of this month. I mean, you know, you, you say that may, maybe the, the the format is done, maybe you wouldn't want to sort of carry it on, but he has deliberately left the, the story open-ended. Yes. So it's quite that is, there is that, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he's clearly got some more story he wants to tell. Would he change the concept and do something else? Well, exactly. Like, is, I mean, you know, could he do, take it not... in another direction? Yeah. Uh, just want to say, I thought Alexis Snap stole the movie for me in terms of um, her role. I won't give you know t tell everyone what what her role was and everything, but um, when you watch the film, you you you'll get to you'll get to recognise because um, I didn't know who she is. I I, I couldn't mm. even. Uh, tell you a lot of other stuff. I know she's done some short films. There was one called Rosary that she did, which was okay and stuff. But she, I, I thought she really impressed me in this. I mean, to be fair, um, she's done quite a lot. Um, but I, I didn't enjoy in this at all. I mean, I enjoyed in stuff like Pitch Perfect and Project X. That was it. I saw she'd have been in the Pitch Perfect movies. Um, not, not a lot of action stuff I've seen on the. You know, all of her stuff seems she does seems to do a lot of comedy and that that. Um, yeah, I didn't see anything sort of that indicated this kind of role, you know, because I was look I was looking for all what what else can I see her in, you know, that, that, now that I've seen this. And really, yeah. um, there's not a lot. She's not an action person, but I thought she did. I thought she pulled it off, you know, mm. the bits that she had to do and 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 you know what they were doing with their character. I thought she personally, I, I was really I was really on board with that. Um, you know, put poor old Scott Atkins definitely gets put through the ringer on this. And there's a scene at the end. <laughs> On, on the plane, and he sort of turns his own and he goes, all right, give me a minute. And he looks, <laughs> you know, he's not acting by that point, I don't think. He le he really is shattered. You know? oh, he's, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's... <laughs> he's just like, just give us a minute. Oh, you know, I need to sit down. <laughs> so, yeah, don't blame you, mate. But um, I, I did like what he, 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 the thing he does right at the end, I thought that was that was a nice note as well. Um, mm. you know, it's yeah. a lot about the character. So yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, no, this this is Stella basically um, kicking off the year with a bit of James Nunn and Scott Atkins and uh, Michael J. White. Um, yeah, look out for it. On that note, how are we going to score it, Steve? I'll give it an eight. Yeah, eight, an eight from me and Rich. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, 
I'll go on. I'll go on eight as well. Uh, peer pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Three eights for one more shot. Go check it out. Our next film is Lost Phoenix. An anemic, excuse me, an amnesiac who is given the name Joe by his nurse awakens from a coma and tries to make a life for himself with the help of his new neighbor. However, while attending a Black Lives Matter rally, he encounters some covert operatives who are on a mission to instill fear and panic, and his muscle memory starts to return. Um, okay, so this is a very independent film, by which I mean really reasonably low budget, um, from a director called James Cooch. Or Cooch. Apologies, James, if we're Ooh. mispronouncing your name. I must admit, so there are some dodgy accents. Um, unfortunately, our, our lead in this, uh, you know, English is clearly not his first language. So, so you know, there's, there's a bit of an issue with delivery of certain lines. However... I mostly like this, I have to admit. There are some lines, you know, some bits of dialogue. I, su I suppose there's always an issue when you're writing, a, you know, and you want to write clever dialogue for your henchmen of your operatives. You know, I think scriptwriters do struggle to come up with anything which actually sounds realistic. It's so, so we get, a few, you know, lots of buzz, buzzwords and you know, sort of trying to capture zeitgeist and that sort of thing. Um, it doesn't. I, I did. Work. I like the bit where I, like, I did like the banter between some of the couple of the. Some of them were. You know, the yeah. thing where he says, "Oh, you know, I'm just trying. You're you look like one of the expendables." That's right. <laughs> I quite like. Yeah. I quite like yeah. those little bits. Yeah. So yeah, some of it, some of it worked, but some of it does sort of seem a bit forced. So there was one good bit where, when the main bad guy sort of turns around to someone and goes, "Stop calling me sir," and then turns out the guy fucked up and he goes, "For God's sake, call me sir." <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I was after Cobby, sir. I thought that was really good. Um, but there are some really, really decent pieces of um, not just action, but just sort of really good ways of sort of dealing with scenes. Um, so our main guy, Joe, or Isaac, as we find out his, his name is, um, gets into a fight with this guy who's been posing as a, as a detective. Um, and the, the guy ends up getting killed by a sniper. And, you know... But it's it's the way he signals to the sniper not to kill him for a moment at least, and sort of holds his phone up showing his phone number. I thought that was really really clever, a really decent piece of sort of visual storytelling, and and their you know their relationship, the way that develops throughout the film, I thought was really good. And I, I do like the fact that you know you watch it, things happen to her, and you think, oh well, that's that's her done then, and then she keeps sort of popping up, yeah, you know, sort of later on. Um, so yeah, I I actually really did like this overall. Um, Steve, how about you? No, not a chance. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I thought it was weak and dull. But the acting was awful, especially the main guy. I'm sorry. Like you said, obviously English was not his first language, but yeah, he was he was terrible. And I, I didn't like the action. I'll be honest. I, I didn't think it was done very well. And it, uh, to me, it was obviously shot during COVID mm -hmm. because every time he had a fight scene, it it's in the on. middle of it puts a mask on and it's in the middle of nowhere. I was wondering about yeah. the mask thing. Yeah. I thought that was just so they could easily, excuse me, 
I thought that was just so they could easily switch, you know, switch in a stunt double or something. Um, but yeah, you're right. That's, that's COVID. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't really like the um, the Black Lives Matter thing with it. Mm. It, it just just seemed not pointless, but why? I don't know what you know. Maybe because of the at the time period and what was going on when they mm. made it. Having it as a Black Lives Matter riot didn't. It didn't add anything to it to me. It was just there for, oh, look at us, that way good. And I don't know, it just seemed very, I mean, it's, it's not, it's something we've seen a million times before. Mm. You know, um, Amnesiac, like the Born, the first Born film, you yeah. know, completely off of that. You know, and I'm not saying that it's, a classic story, but it, it's been done to death, and I just thought it was very, very underwhelming. The whole okay. thing, also, as well. I mean, I was reading the stuff on um, IMDb, and, and apparently, the sniper was originally played by a different woman, all right, who had to drop out because she couldn't handle it, or something. that's what it says. Mm-hmm. Now, looking at it, it is quite obvious. And, and I, know, not, I know they're not going to share a lot of things because of you know she is a sniper, but mm. it just seems like the grading's different on the film and stuff like that. Mm. It just didn't fit together as far as, as far as I'm I, concerned. I, I, I didn't even notice that. You know, didn't even notice. So yeah, for for me personally, I thought they, they you know they did sort of manage to meld the, the, the two sides quite quite well, but. <clears throat> okay. Um, Rich, what did you make of uh, Lost Phoenix? I think it is, I mean, yeah, it is kind of born identity variation, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I tell you what, I tell you what came to mind when I watched, when we started watching, when we started watching it was that um, uh, Blackout film that we watched just before Christmas, mm. uh, which was the Bobby Samuels movie, which kind of the similar idea is, is that, you know, he's kind of, it, well, Similar. He's kind of an amnesia. He kind of an am- was he amnesiac in that? It was something like that. He was kind of in a cycle, in a loop yeah, yeah. of, of, of that. So there was other stuff going on, but essentially the principle was he sort of wakes up. Uh, so it's, he's in this situation. People are coming after him, and there's fight scenes and stuff. But that film had no real, you know, narrative structure <laughs> yeah. and stuff. It just wasn't really gelling. I thought this had a lot more story and stuff actually working for it. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, I. I thought it was I was very intrigued by the lead because he isn't who you expect. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, he's uh, as you say. I think I think I can't remember whether they, they show a Malaysian like a Malaysian passport or something. But I think later on they say he's Haitian. So That's right. Because even in real life he's Haitian. And <clears throat> how many American <laughs> made action films can you think of with a Haitian lead? Mm-hmm. I thought so, so. So that made it stand out. And this guy's got no other credits on his. Mm-hmm. Um, on his IMDb. So what he does the rest of the time, I'm not sure. I found a Twitter account that suggested he's a chef. Um, I don't know. Um, but I thought all, all, all things being considered, you know, he, he was quite well. He's definitely a charismatic looking guy. Uh, you know, I thought, you know, some of the dialogue maybe, like you say, doesn't flow as well. But I mm-hmm. thought, you know, in the action stuff and that he was doing all right. So I was quite intrigued. And um, although... Uh, I think it was an interesting bit of casting. I'd I'd like to know the genesis of that, why they decided yeah. where he came from. Because I've watched a few of 
James Cooch's shorts, and he's mm. not like one of his familiar players, like for example, mm. uh, David Norton, who plays the bad guy in this. Yeah, he's worked with him a few times on a bit. I, what, what's funny about him is um, uh, I've been watching. Uh, I'm, there's a there's a, a Christian writer called Lee Strobel, and I was watching a documentary. Uh, about him and stuff and to me <laughs> they just look very similar so he's got this kind of because he's an older gentleman this guy it's like oh, it's like um uh, and you don't, and again you, you see certain people and you you don't expect them to be able to start busting out certain moves and whatever and no that's got this guy's a, a really you know <laughs> yeah it's a really life, good sword you know, fight at the end isn't it yeah he's a he's a proper you know martial artist very experienced you know lots of you know you can see uh, uh in in the other shorts that he's done he's done different kinds of action uh aikido and stuff so he's um he so you when you first meet him he's just sitting behind the computer doing the doing the chat stuff because mm. like you say i think it was all shot during covid so they've done a lot of shooting people in individual locations and then linking them up by phones and stuff by virtue of the situation um but when they do but when they do come face to face he is he doesn't have he doesn't have somebody come in and do the fighting for him he does the fight himself mm. which i thought was really cool so um i was re i really liked him i thought he was quite interesting again um and uh yeah the mask thing you've already mentioned it that 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 he's got you know um uh uh Wendral, who is the lead um joe uh, he's yeah he suddenly puts on a he has like these conversations and then will suddenly put on a mask yeah when yeah. they're fighting he hasn't had it on while they were talking. He yeah, but there's distance between them, isn't there? When he's talking, they're not, not you know, yeah, yeah, right in his face. So, yeah, I, I, I was intrigued. They don't really it, explain I, that I, very well. I know no, it's set during. They do explain that it is time. set during the pandemic. Yeah. But all I'm thinking is, okay, you're in a life or death situation. You know, anyway, mm. are you really going to take a second to put on a mask <laughs> when when you're just about to have a fight or whatever? I don't know. It just it, it was all very sudden, you know. If if it, if it was like yeah. right, stand back a minute, get get ready, put the mask yeah. on, kind of thing. But it's not yeah. like it's like literally leaping into action, suddenly wearing a mask. Um, there well, was one where I went back and I did see. Oh, they actually held, showed him pick it up in his hand and sort of mm. bring it towards his face. And so there was a there was an effort to show the transition. But so I, I understand the sort of real world reason, but I thought in the film it didn't. It just sort of although it, you know, the COVID thing is presented in the film it didn't quite flow that you know in this kind of situation you would suddenly um put the mask on but that's a minor quibble um the mask actually looks like cool it's you know it's in the poster and stuff because mm. he's wearing it and stuff um so yeah so I, I like the villain i thought the not perfect but the you know the the guy in the lead was interesting um the covid stuff and i think the black lives matter thing is um I don't think they explicitly state it. I might be wrong. Yeah, I know I think, that I think, when I think you see them marching, the you, when you see them yeah. marching, you do see some signs and stuff. But I think it's more representing a. Um, I might be misunderstanding it, but it seemed like it was not. You know, you didn't have to notice that it was kind of more of a case of there's an uprising of thing, and it just happened to be they used some Black Lives Matter footage, yeah. or it is. To intangibly linked to it. I'm not 100% sure, but that's how I took it. It was just kind of I, a... I suppose that was what, you know, if, if, you, if the film is set in sort of, you know, 2020. 2020, and, yeah. And so I, I suppose that was what people were most rallying about and protesting about at the time. So, you know, that, I, I guess that's why it sort of like has that sort of um, tag to it. Yeah. 
Well, I think it's it's also a film set at a very particular time. Yeah, exactly. So they're so yeah. I mean, it, even if it wasn't explicit, you can certainly infer what it is that's going on. Um, the one of the other things was I thought some scenes looked really well shot and other scenes not so well shot. But yeah. I think in that way, um, this is a film that had a long production. Uh, it started out as a short, which I haven't seen, so I don't know which which scenes were actually from the original short or they might have even reshot that footage i don't know but there's some scenes where it's even the, when you're cutting between the two one looks quite a bit sort of less polished a bit grainy and the other stuff some of the other stuff looks like really nice and um, yeah. Uh, yeah. like for example like the stuff yeah the, the stuff with um um uh the, the bad guy on the uh you know when he's when he's uh talk, uh looking at his computer and whatever that's quite it's got like a uh, slick look to it, and there's some there's quite a few other scenes that have got that kind of similar look. Um, James himself was the cinematographer as well. Yeah. I think he had somebody else helping out on a few bits. But yeah. I mean, this was one of those films where the director was wearing lots of hats. You know, it's mm -hmm. like um, uh, I don't know if you remember a film a long time ago we called did called The Patriot. Way back when we started the show, it was like this one. This guy was essentially like a one-man band. It was like a terrorism in a city kind of thing, and he basically yeah. pulled it all together himself. And it, it, it's that kind of that kind of thing. It's like you know, it's a Robert Rodriguez kind of approach of just you, you know, just you've got to do everything. You've got to do. You've got to wear many hats when you when you're trying to do something like this. Um, what's the other one? Um, there was another character in it. Which one? Which one was character in it? Who looked? I was seeing one of the characters, and I can't remember which one it was. It reminded me of Master Ken, um, and I can't remember which one it was. But um, right, there was, yeah. but there was a guy called. Uh, it might have been the Tom Strong character. I can't remember, but he's a. Um, um, yeah, there's this there's this guy who's his, his name. I don't think it's his real name, but he's he's called Tom Strong again. He doesn't have any other credits, but. Mm. You know him when you see him. He's the guy with the massive arms and stuff. Oh, right. He's got the hugest arms ever. So he's like one of the uh, one of the henchmen. Uh, so so you got the one with the upper arms and you got the one with the dreadlocks. And uh, okay. I thought I, I quite like some of their stuff. Um, they they do they try to do it grew some... Me. some some of it was a bit grating to begin with, and I thought yeah. oh, you know because we 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 we've come across this sort of stuff before where they try to give clever dialogue to 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 these sort of characters. You know, it, it all stems from bloody Jules and Vincent um, yes. in in Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it's it's that sort of thing. Um, so some of it works. As I say, so, some of the references I thought were quite good. Yeah, mind. I think you know, all things. This is a film that's been pulled together with limited resources, um, and not, a, from what I can tell, a not massively experienced cast mm. or crew. I say, apart of James Cooch has been making uh, short films. For a very long time, and uh, I would say I actually do recommend checking out some of those because, um, and I, I do think actually he's got some of his best stuff is comedic, uh, which is what the, which is one thing this film isn't mm. really. Um, they, they mean, there's a couple of comedic moments in there, I guess, but um, he's done a he's done a he's done some nice um, shorts. There was one called Video Sniper, mm -hmm. um, which actually uh, James uh, starred in. He played the, sort of the lead role, and mm. it's that's a fun uh, little kind of sketch. Sure. Um, there's another one called Attack the Dojo, the which Dojo. Um, David Norton yeah. uh, was in. Uh, so do check out some of the stuff on his on his YouTube mm -hmm. ch channel. Um, the um, I would say, yeah, in terms of so coming out of that kind of 
micro budget indie sphere mm. you know say in the same kind of world as like um, bobby samuels i won't say the action is as good as what like bobby samuels i mean this is the guy with hong kong experience and stuff um his his action his action scenes are better but mm -hmm. james is also very you know clearly you know he does a lot he's choreographs the fights and i think he does a really good job with that mm -hmm. um i did like the action in this i didn't think i was a, I, I wanted a bit more um some of the some of the fights are a bit brief but you know you know these things take a long time and if you're on limited resources you can't maybe necessarily do as much as you you perhaps might want to but i thought when the action kicked in uh it was pretty pretty decent um and I thought it looked quite polished for, for say, a film that's, that's working with, you know, coming out of that, you know, in, in, this isn't a Rand Lemmett kind of, you know, <laughs> kind of, uh, you know, Bruce Willis-y sort of um, DVD movie. This is, at the, this is at the opposite end of the spectrum. And I think it holds its, holds its own reasonably well uh, in that sort of uh, action sphere. The thing is, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, we, we've, we've seen films with a much larger budget, things like Pursuit, and snipe um what was it fortress sniper's eye and all that sort of mm -hmm. crap all those bruce yeah. willis ones you know which cost you know at least a million quid and then you got this which is made with limited resources in covid as well you know so so it, it's as if they they you know thought well what what other challenges can we throw at ourselves yeah <laughs> um yeah. funny enough i watched another film this um this week called blank um, which is another film film during COVID with a limited cast, limited setting and all the rest of it. And again, look, looks absolutely superb. And, you know, I think all of the filmmakers who, who were sort of like, you know, flying their trade during that period are to be commended for, for finding ways to, to work and to actually put films together. Um, we, we've seen some crap. This this isn't crap as far as I'm concerned. Um, yes, the story is very familiar, um, but it comes up with some interesting twists to, to the to the familiar beats. Um, so, so you know, for example, both Isaac and uh, Layla, who plays you know, who's the sniper, you know, they they both kind of come to the same conclusion as far as their vendetta is concerned uh, you know mm -hmm. um but, but both sort of but there's a couple of moments when um isaac you know could kill somebody but sort of holds off at the last minute yes. and, yeah. and you know which, which which again quite surprising um but then there's other times when he lets loose you know there's, there's a sword fight he, he has a sword fight with one guy who's one of the main henchmen and then at the last minute he sort of picks up a gun and shoots the guy which i thought was really cool as well so we wanted that did remind me of the expendables funny enough I really like this. If if this is what um, James Coach can do with limited resources in COVID, I'm really excited to see what he can do, you know, now, and and hopefully with you know, with with, with more to his disposal. On that note, Steve, how are you going to score it? I'm going to five. Okay, that's actually higher than I was expecting from you, mate. <laughs> Consider your comments, uh, Rich. Uh, I'm going to give it a six. Okay. Yep. I think it is a very high six. It's it's not quite <clears throat> seven. It needs a bit more polish, but it is 
you know, um, I, I found myself watching this from start to finish without needing to skip scenes. You know, I mean, there's been loads of films where I've gone, this is taking too long, skip a bit, skip to the next scene. Um, but I, I, I stuck with this. Um, I thought it was great. You know, um, it, it's an, it's unpolished, but it, it's, it's worth checking out. So that <laughs> is a five and two sixes for Lost Phoenix. Go check it out. Our short shot this week is Friends Forever. In 1987, a group of teenagers throw a rager in an abandoned house where the previous occupants had met a horrible end 30 years previously. Uh, this starts off great. Um, really bizarrely, you know, this sort of silent sequence in black and white. Um where this massacre happens, I was kind of reminded of like Children of the Corn kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, going mm. on there, because um, because it's just like really perplexing. Like, why is this happening? <laughs> you know, it's something to do with the corn and shit. But um, yeah, very very intriguing uh, opener, and then you know it jumps forward to thirty years. So we're in 1987, um, and the, these <laughs> kids turn up to throw a party. Uh, and I was a bit worried at first because it's like four of them. I'm thinking, really, that's a party? But then it turns yeah. out, oh no, they're, they're just there to set it up, and you know, everyone else is going to come along. Um, and then, of course, you know, things start to happen. Um, Rich, you are our curator of shorts. Um, how did you come across this one, and what do you think of it? Uh, well, actually, I didn't curate this one. You did. No? Because uh, this came uh, via actor Timothy J. Cox, oh, who, comes. who forwarded this on <laughs> for us to take a look at. Uh, he appears as the father in the opening uh, prologue. Uh, yeah, so so yeah, this was um, one uh, going in that uh, I hadn't I hadn't seen, and um, the the th the thing with this is it's kind of like a lot of the films. Well, it's kind of like a lot of films we've seen in general, but. Also, mm. a lot of stuff we've also watched recently, mm -hmm. um, but it's like a truncated form. So it's essentially kind of a slasher movie kind of thing, but mm. with it in twenty minutes. So yeah. all the pre all yeah. the prerequisite kind of bits are there. It's like oh, something bad happened. They go into a house, and you know the teenagers are going to be a party, and then people are going to die, and you know there's a you know uh, supernatural stuff going on and whatever. And I just thought the problem was. In part, it's homage, which I get, I get, you know, I can, you know, to me, it felt, you know, like you say, Children of the Corn was there. I think uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre's in there uh, in terms of the sort of isolatedness, of, you know, the rural sort of location uh, and the old, you know, the old house gave me that vibe and also, you know, sort of general slasher movie party stuff. But it didn't kind of bring its own... Ident it didn't bring its own identity enough for me, so therefore I was I didn't I didn't get on with it that well. I was sort of I thought it's fine, um, it's okay. I would just like to see a little bit more of its own individual sort of personality and twist on the genre. You know, like so we watched um, uh, the She Came from the Woods uh, short. Mm -hmm. and, well, we watched the feature film based on the short, um, and you could see that this maybe this is like a proof of concept or something for a bigger bigger story but or or just maybe it was just always intended to just be this one thing but it's it's still just just another kind of slasher story and you know even people like the um 
now, sorry. Uh, now, remind me who's the uh, the collective of uh, female filmmakers. They do the really sort of day glow kind of stuff. Oh. They did a fashion movie. Femmes. Um, Monstrous uh, Femmes. Monstrous Femmes. So you take, see, look at something like what they've done. They mm. do a similar kind of thing. Uh, they've done a slasher movie-ish kind of one. But they put all this, you know, they've got all this kind of like colour and stuff mm. that they throw into it. You know, it's a real, um, it, it really paints itself as like a something distinctive. And then this one, it's kind of, if, if you like slasher movies and stuff and you want a, like a 20-minute version of one, you know, that kind of thing with a little bit of a twist and whatever, mm. I think it's fine. There's a little bit of production value issues with some muffled dialogue and stuff, some audio recording, uh, some audio mix issues mm. and stuff. But, they, you know, it, it, there's some adventure. Some of the visual uh, uh, camera work and that gets a little bit adventurous at the time, especially at the party. Um, but uh, apart from that, I can't. it's not something I'd massively recommend, to be fair. Yeah. Um, Steve, what do you make of uh, Friends Forever? Yeah, I can't agree with Rich, really. It's very, very derivative of lots and lots of other films. Like you're saying about the sexy chase on Masked, you know, the beginning, even at the end, you know, she sits them all around the table and, you know, you've got that long shot mm-hmm. going down the table while the body sat around it. Just remind me of that straight away. And, yeah, I mean... I, I, know, yeah, I know it sounds awful, but it was the party scene that, that kind of let it down for me. Um, they know, got loads it, of extras. Yeah. I will give them that. They made it an actual party. Yeah. It wasn't like some of these parties where it's like oh. five people, five mm. or six people. So they did pack the house, which was they which was very house. good. They did manage to make it look like a real party. Mm. But it's one of them where it's so cringy. You can tell there's no music playing. They put mm. the music in afterwards. You know, you know the music in or whatever and it just looks embarrassing i don't know why it was cringeworthy the party and then i don't think it explained the twist as much if there's no there's no recollection of why she's suddenly possessed by this spirit and or what it was all about, you know, with the yeah. with, say with the corn and stuff. I think you can infer, yeah. but I would, I like, I think like you, I would have liked a bit more of an explanation of what was actually, yeah, a bit more um, clarification, you know, just of what was actually going on. because we didn't spend that much time with the family, like you say at the beginning, uh, like uh, no. Mike was saying at the beginning, when the, with the setup, it's all very sort of silent and everything seems fine, and then, you know, then it starts kicking off, which is very atmospheric. I'll give it that, you know, it's, um, but uh, yeah. yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, it was. um, yeah, again, maybe that's something they want to flesh out in like a longer version or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. But to be fair, I don't. I'm not really worried about seeing a longer version of this myself. Um, no. And I and I do really like slasher movies and stuff, but I think there's got to be there's got to be something uh, distinctive stand. You know, that's going to make this stand there's out, um, especially when there have been so many slasher movie homages and stuff recently, like the final summer and, and stuff that we've seen. Which have all struggled to sort of put their own stamp on things. Um, yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah. I t- I'm sorry, I've I've, I've stepped back. <laughs> sorry, Steve. Uh, <laughs> that's what I mean, it, it, there's nothing unique about it. It's everything we've seen before. Even even the performances aren't great as well. You know, like the the, um, the girl at the end when she starts spouting. 
you know, all the shit and that. And it's just like, mm, it's just not quite good enough, if you know what I mean. The performances just aren't there. And yeah, if maybe if they had more money and they were the mates who were turning up to do it, I don't know, maybe it could have been a bit better. But like you say, there's nothing unique. It's too derivative and it's just, it's, it's fine. It's nothing special at all. It's it's nothing special, but at the same time, it's 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 it, you know it, it doesn't do itself um, you know what sort of looking for. I, I don't think it embarrasses itself too much. You know, it's bland, yes, but it, it, it's it's mm-hmm. not it's it's not necessarily a stinker as such. Um, I thought it would say in general, it's fine. You know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't yeah. have anything against the cast. I thought the we're casting just uh, we're just jaded fun. film reviewers who've seen too much shit, but, you know, and then we got too much. You know, we. We, we we compare it to so much stuff. It's you know the the cast is obviously amateur. Um, you know the, the the effects. Some you know sometimes those throat slashings look pretty decent. Sometimes mm. they look not not so good. Yeah. Um, you know a bit more care and attention. You know if they had more time, a bit more sort of uh, post production work would it would have helped. Um, a bit more sort of logic to some of the story. I mean, basically, we're led to believe that this house has been abandoned for thirty years. Oh, yeah. And, and they where's the in. dust? Okay, where's, where's the, the dust? dust? This uh, was yeah, annoying me when I was watching it. I'll be fair. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, you know, that, that flies I could and not figure that out. That made no that, sense. You know, yeah, all that sort of stuff. You know, the house is, you know, well, I won't say pristine because it wasn't, but you know, it was um, certainly not um, disused for thirty years. years shit, yeah. Basically, so you know, it's, yeah, it's stuff did, like that that, that sort of take you out of the moment. And it took me out of the film. Yeah, yeah. It does. It takes you out of the moment, basically, when you see stuff like that. Um, but yeah. It's it's not great, but it's it's at the same time and not exactly terrible. Um, it needs work, needs polish. Uh, it needs it needs a bit of a rethink. But at the end of the day, this is from a group called Alisim. Ali, Al, uh, how do you pronounce that? L A L Y S M films. Alism or something. Um, but anyway, they, they've got a couple of things on there. They've got another horror film, a couple of other, other horror films on there, which may be worth checking out. Um, but there you go. We don't score the shorts, but we do recommend you check them out. Uh, this is currently unlisted, but once it becomes available, we will post a link on our um, Twitter page. So check it out when it's available. Our DTV throwback this week is The 13th Floor, a computer scientist running a virtual reality simulation of 1937 becomes the primary suspect when his colleague and mentor is murdered. Now, like you, Rich, and I'm sure you, Steve, we've Mm -hmm. seen this. We've seen this film knocking around the video shop. Yeah, I remember the trailer. Well, I I never saw the trailer either, but I, I remember... You know, the video store guy going, oh, yeah, 13th floor, you might want to check that out. It looks, you know, it's, it's really good. And I looked at the cover and I thought, that looks like a piece of shit. I'm not, <laughs> and unfortunately, whoever did that cover, you know, that, that artwork, really did the film a disservice. I like uh, the cover. I think the cover's really good. Yeah. How, come you've, how come you've never watched this film before, Rich? 
I have. It's one of my favourites. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, sound corrected. Okay, I, I, I had never seen this before. I, I was aware of it. You know, it's one of those films, kind of like the Philadelphia Experiment. It's, it's one of those films, you know, I, I remember coming out and all the rest of it, but never actually getting around to seeing. This is superb. This Fantastic. Is That's what I want to hear. Good. <laughs> I, you know, I couldn't believe what that I hadn't seen this before. The only thing that really dates it is the voiceover of the computer. Mm. Everything else, you, you know, is 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 pretty much timeless. You know, apart from the lack of mobile phones and shit. You know, the cast is superb. Vincent D'Onofrio in this is just great. You know, in, in his sort of dual performance. I thought he was great. Dennis Haysbert, um, absolutely superb as well. And then, of course, you've got Craig Bierko as, as our main guy. Yeah, the story was superb. You know, um, the, the mystery of it. The, the, I, I love those sort of private detective kind of things. Uh, and setting it, you know, part of it in, in 1937, I thought worked really well. Yeah, this this just rocked for me um, from start to finish. I just want to say I want to, I want I want us to go into spoilers on this. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, if anybody hasn't seen it, and um, yeah, stop watch listening the film first because uh, I, yeah, I'm really interested to see what you think. You guys think about some of the some of the twists and turns that mm. the story takes. But I'll I'll, step, I'll hand it back to you now. Yeah. So Steve, your initial thoughts on this? Uh, what did you think of it? Had you seen it before? No, I remember the trailer. I remember it coming out, but yeah, it was one of them and I'd never really watched. But I think it just kind of got kind of got lost in after the Matrix and stuff like that, really. Possibly, yeah, yeah. You know, well, the thing I was, mean, this this and the Matrix were the same time. Yeah. Uh, it was the same year. This got released like a few weeks later. They were basically in production at the same time, uh, yeah. and they because they have ver a, an aspect that's very similar. Um, which we'll get into. Um, yeah, yeah. The Matrix was just like wildfire, and and basically yeah. the thirteenth floor got completely buried by it. Yeah, which is because yeah. it's much lower key kind of story. You know, it's, it's, it oh, couldn't yeah. really, it couldn't really sort of um, hold its own with it. And thematically, you know, the people were just dismissive of it. I think because of you know they were because everyone was loving the Matrix. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't think I'll. Uh enjoyed it as much as you two, but it is a decent film. It's not terrible or, you know, some decent twists and that. And, but I just wasn't too gripped by it, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But that's not to say, like I say, it wasn't awful. It wasn't enjoyable, but it just it didn't grab me as much as I thought it was, to be fair. I mean, there's certain bits that I, that I really enjoyed but it's just a little little bit flat for me. There it is. Yeah. Okay. Um okay, so Rich, what do you wanna what do you wanna talk about? Oh well. So yeah, so this was uh, I was quite interested in this when it came out and I really liked it. It was my one of my favourites. Watched it quite a few times. Hadn't watched it for a very long time though, so I was wondering if it would hold up, especially after all this time. Now what's funny is you get to a certain point in the story and it says it's twenty twenty four. <laughs> yes. just, well, what, what a weird coincidence that is. That is a weird coincidence. But, yeah. but the um, uh, the film itself, uh, I think it really stands up. Very, very well produced, very polished. This comes from uh, Roland Emmerich's Centropolis company. Mm. So it's got, um, but it's very much not like a typical Roland Emmerich movie. Uh, it was directed by Joe's, Joseph Rusnak. Mm -hmm. 
who I'm, I'm not sure exactly on, I can't remember if he came out of like cinematography or special effects, but um, the, this was because this film was not, this was like his debut and because it didn't, wasn't a hit, basically it didn't do anything for anyone's career. So Joseph Rasnack didn't really direct, I don't went think back, anything for a while. Back to Germany, he, I think, didn't he? he did a DTV movie called, I think he did the contractor with Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Which we covered a few years later, yeah. which yeah. was, you know, and nothing like too. this. Oh, did he do Art of War 2 as well? Yeah, so very sort of, you know, he just didn't have the budget to play with. So these are very sort of cheaply shot kind of looking films. This is lavish, mm. you know, it's, it's got it's got a fantastic look to it. Cinematography is excellent. Um, Craig Bierko and Gretchen Moll are two of the main characters. Again, this was kind of their, this was supposed to be kind of a, like their breakout kind of movie. Um, mm. And Craig Bierko, it just didn't really happen for him. So he's had a very solid career and so has she on, you know, in the years since, Gretchen Moll actually did some other leading roles, like um, uh, I think it was the, it was like the Notorious Betty Page or something like that, mm-hmm. and um, which I actually saw in the cinema. But the um, Craig Bierko was, uh, I think he he does a lot of supporting roles and stuff, as far as I can tell. But he's really good in this. I think he's mm-hmm. um, this is a film of it's kind of a film of a different time. And I think that's kind of sits what it's trying to do is it's, it's kind of old fashioned in many ways. It's not action. There's not a lot of action in it at all. Uh, You've got, not only have you got the sort of the 1930s classics sort of stuff, but that, that kind of aesthetic kind of carries itself into the rest of the film as well. So it's, it's kind of low key. A lot of it's low key. I mean, even the, uh, so the idea is uh, Craig Berko's characters working at this tech company and they've, created this computer system and everyone well you only see one guy apart from mm. craig berko actually working there and that's vincent d'onofrio mm. so it's like it, you, you think is this is it supposed to have entirely been created by this one guy because if it was done now it'd be like you know like free guy or something you'd have you know scenes where there are dozens and dozens of people or even hundreds sitting at computers or whatever to try and create all these virtual worlds and stuff. Yeah. um but anyway in this movie you know that's kind of the way it's so there's a there's a modest budget to it but sort of the 1930s scenes and stuff all look really good. One of the interesting things on the old DVD was the special effects because it's kind of not a special effectsy movie. But you know, you go into the behind the scenes and it's like, well, all of that in you know the stuff used to create the 1930s sort of setting and the you know yeah. uh, things in the background and stuff is all visual effects. And so it was very. It's the only way they could do it. Otherwise, it cost them a yeah. fortune. To, to, yeah, to yeah. Do well, it's, it's a lot of. Um, so there's a lot of visual effects in it. It's just sort of not flashy, which is quite nice. Yeah. So yeah, all the people playing dual roles are. Great. I mean, Armin Mueller's style is fantastic. He's mm-hmm. got this very sort of low key yeah. kind of um, uh, delivery and stuff. The low key character and the, the sort of amusement of his character. Now, going back and watching it after all these years. Uh, one thing I hadn't really picked up, one thing I really noticed about it this time is whether it's intentional or not, there's a little bit of Back to the Future in this because the whole, you know, like in Back to the Future, you know, uh, Doc Brown is shot mm-hmm. and, you know, Marty travels back in time and then he meets Doc Brown again. Well, that mm-hmm. kind of happens in this, you know, the, the, the you know, Armin Mueller-Stoll's character is killed, which is kind of the inciting event for the murder mystery kind mm-hmm. of thing. He sort of travels back inside because he goes into the computer and he goes back to the 1930s and meets up with the other the other guy and stuff. And there's, there's and there's also they, the... yeah, because because they've modelled some of the characters in their simulation on themselves, haven't they? Yes, they've... and that's the whole Matrix yeah. thing. Is they yeah. kind of got they kind of got all these uh, same kind of characters. 
they look like themselves and, and whatever. And the so when Craig Bearco goes back, he goes into a guy who looks like him. The other thing about Back to the Future is you remember that scene in Back to the Future where Mark, uh, Michael J. Fox walks into the to the to the square of the town and he's just looking around mm. and he's just amazed at what he sees and there's that wonder. Yeah, and yeah. you get that with this. I mean, his character, you know, when he, he gets there and he, he can't believe it. It's like, amazing. I mean, it's not time travel, but it is a, in a way because he's yeah. he, in the computer simulation. It's a time travel kind of thing. So I really like that. I thought, and um, <clears throat> whether it was intentional or not, I, I was picking up on those vibes and stuff. And maybe that's one of the reasons I like it because I love Back to the Future. Mm. Yeah. So you've got the computer system kind of stuff. And I say Gretchen Mole, uh, she's a very classic kind of looking uh, actress. So, she's, so mm -hmm. uh, he, she appears in the, the contemporary set scenes and even even in those scenes she looks like she's from the 50s or something yes. you know yeah, she's she got this, like a femme patel sort of thing yeah. yeah she's got that very sort of classic kind of uh classic film sort of look to her he he has as well so i think that works quite nicely and um yeah vincent d'onofrio he he's say he's got quite he's got more the more complex kind of job of being two characters who are quite different in their personalities, mm -hmm. uh, whereas the others are quite close for the most part. Now, here's the thing. You know, we, we mentioned those came out more or less the same time as The Matrix. Yes. I'm pretty sure The Matrix nabbed a few ideas from this, or, or the sequels nabbed a few ideas from this. Ah, so, well, the thing is, I'll, I'll just step in and say that this is based on a novel uh, called Simulacrum 3, Mm -hmm. Which was previously filmed in like the ninety in the mid seventies in Germany as like oh. a TV miniseries, and it's a very well world on a wire. It was called, mm -hmm. and it's very well regarded as like something in the line of like a like a Stanley Kubrick mm -hmm. kind of thing. So it's quite likely that the source either that um, the source novel or the um, or the German production was itself an influence on the matrix it, it, it's the way that uh, you know we, we we get characters you know the the, the simulated characters mm. coming into the real world yes which happens you know, in matrix um two, uh, yeah matrix. Two and three, basically yeah yeah because yeah. I, I was thinking <clears> the same thing it's like maybe that's come in from there you know it's a very co it's a coincidental thing but if, you, if it was in the source material then that would make mm. sense that they would have actually been able to nab that unless they watched the film and said oh actually let's crib it from That's there a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah the whole crawling up yeah. something crawled up and killed its maker kind of, it's, it's kind like of it's like well we've already fucked over this film already why not <laughs> why not kick it to the curb <laughs> kick it while it's down and nick some ideas for it um, i'm sure i'm sure that's not what happened really um yeah, production values are superb from this. Yeah. Even the, you know, the actual sort of computer simulation bit, I thought worked really well. Um, you know, the, the machine that he goes into to, to be downloaded. There's Which a is really... basically a box with a light. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. A green light. That's, me, all, that's all it is. <laughs> to me, that's the thing that dated it slightly, is the, the green lights. It's, <laughs> it's not so much the green lights. It's, it's the voiceover telling you everything that's happening. So, yeah, okay, that, right, you know, that thing really annoyed me. But, you know, it, it gets a lot of tension out of the film. There's that bit where he goes, you know, he goes into the machine alone and he forgets to set the timer because mm. he, you know, because he's supposed to only be in there for a maximum of two hours and he forgets to, he basically forgets to set his video clock. And, um, yeah. which again yeah. kind of reminded me like there's a bit, there's something a bit like that in Back to the Future where the, you know, when mm. they're trying to travel through and the clock's malfunctioning and stuff. Mm. Also, <laughs> Bill and Ted. Yeah. Hey, Ted, oh, don't Bill forget Ted, to yeah. take your watch. <laughs> <laughs> 
but um, yeah, no, I, I loved it. I thought Vincent D'Onofrio was great. You know, the the, the idea of these, you know, these, these simulations becoming aware that they're simulations and um, even Dennis Haysbert's character at the end, you know, because um, Gretchen told him basically or, or no he i think he figures it out for himself doesn't he because he he tracks her down when she's not being inhabited by her future self yes and ah, she's, see this is where we get into the twist territory here yeah of, yeah um... well that's that's when that's when it clicked for me it, or or kind of because it's like well yeah because if basically somebody is jumping into her body Yes. Yeah. Bit bit of um, quantum leap as well, didn't there? Exactly. I wrote down quantum leap as well. (laughs) So Um, so you think, well, obviously, to somebody, this you know, the present is the past, kind of thing. Yeah. And his head's starting to spin at this point. So going, oh right, okay, it's really cool. So how did you did you? Because there's some uh, going back and watching it again. hmm. There's lots of little clues as you're watching it. And some of them, I think some people could be quite, you know, might be really savvy and go, oh yeah, I know exactly what's happening here. Mm. Um, quite before it's like revealed. So I was just wondering, did did you sort of get carried away with the story and not realise that was happening? Or, you know, I, did you? I didn't realise mm. until Dennis Hayes was sort of questioning mm-hmm. the identity of um, uh, Gretchen Moll's character. Yeah. You'd say, well, no, no one's ever heard of her. She doesn't exist sort of thing. He doesn't have a daughter, you know, um, daughter. It's at that point, and and yeah, the fact that um, uh, Douglas, you know, he uh, he keeps waking up in weird places, yeah, and and, and stuff like that. Yeah. But, yeah, it was definitely sort of something something weird going on, and it, but he, even he's starting to realise then that you know possibly he's, you know, he's being used as much as he's using his you know um, his nineteen thirty self, as it were. But I didn't really yeah, sort of figure it until um, Vincent D'Onofrio tells him what the contents of the letter. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, what about that's you, Steve? I'm... No, I'll be honest, I didn't see that one. I didn't see it coming in this one. Right. Normally, I'm, I'm, I can see a twist coming a mile off, but this one, yeah. no. But I think that's no. really, I think that speaks to how well the film does it. That that mm. you know it does put this stuff right there in front. So there's a couple of there's like I think there's two occasions where they said where they're talking about the simulation in 1937, mm. and they say they're as real as you and me. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, and they're like literally putting it right yeah. there out there in front of you. And also I don't know if you, I did, now I'm not a Blade Runner fan, so I wouldn't mm. have picked up on it. But the house that Douglas Hall lives in, which I did notice because it's very distinctive architecturally. Mm. I was. I thought it wasn't real, but it's a real house. But it's the house that um, uh, Deckard lives in in Blade oh, Runner, okay. which I think is another sort of subtle yeah. indicator of of what they're trying to, uh, you know, uh, do with the character. So it's a little nod to to Blade Runner, but also to the unreality of what what who the character thinks they are and what is yeah. what the world is actually what their world actually is. Yeah. So the. Um, yeah, so I really like I like the twist and stuff. I think that works really nicely. Interestingly, in the trailer, there's like a when we get to the end of the film, there's a bit where uh, we go into the future, like was previously mentioned, twenty twenty four, and in the trailer, it's like a there's all we see really is a big sort of bleak, like concrete block kind of room kind of thing, yeah. and he and he goes up and he looks out a window. It's in the say it's in the trailer, but in the film, I don't know if that was the original ending and then they reshot it because the one at the end at the end of this, it's like waking up in a nice house and stuff, and they look out 
over uh, over the futuristic city, which could be um, like, you know, okay, it's not futuristic America, but it could be Singapore, you know, mm. something like that. Um, it's, I got I don't the impression think, I don't... it was. I think it was meant to be LA after LA yeah. has sort of fallen into the sea. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. That's kind of where they're going with it. But I don't think it looked, you know. <clears throat> They didn't put like flying ships and stuff mm. all over the place and stuff. The buildings look quite futuristic, but apart from that, it was very sensible, I think, about its approach to trying to show the future at that time. Uh, you know, it doesn't go for that because back, yeah. Back to the Future Two goes into the future, which is basically the same kind of time, isn't it? I think I recall, unless I'm yeah. wrong. When when was it? Unless it was earlier, than Back to the Future Two. 2015, yeah. yeah. So yeah, eighty-five to twenty fifteen. Yeah. 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 So they could have done the flying cars thing and all that sort of thing, and, and they don't really, which I, I which I, I quite like. Um, but yeah, I th I think all that stuff with um, the you know the kind of happy ending stuff that happens, I, I, I like, I dig all that. I like it. I think it's quite a, 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 I like the the film, but the the sort of twist it takes with um, Craig Beer, because that's the thing. Douglas Hall kind of becomes a. a a secondary character at the end mm. he kind of gets pushed out and the other characters come to the forefront which uh, i understand why they had to do that but it, it doesn't hunt that's one of the sort of things that i think is slightly weaker about it because he is we're, we're with him so far along you know the whole rest of the film mm. then we kind of have to because they want to shift him to be like the villain basically for the ending yeah, yeah. uh we have to sort of focus more Gretchen Moore has to come up step up to the yeah. plate and stuff and I think she does the best I think she does well but uh, yeah that's sort of narratively that's that's just sort of the, but I love it I, I'd say I, I think it's a I think it's a fantastic film loads of films around the in the 90s were doing all this sort of stuff free jack you know um, oh god uh, you free know, jack <laughs> um, there's a dark city is another one you can yeah, watch this yeah, in dark yeah. city. Yeah. this is dark a film city. that sits between dark city and the matrix yeah, they, they they all touch on very similar themes and styles. Styles. I mean, the Matrix is as close to Dark City as this is close to Matrix. You know, they're, they're so yeah. they do they they're playing with the same ideas all around the same time. Dark City was the year before, in nineteen ninety eight. Um, Free Guy and I mean True Truman Show in the was that in the all was the that. Truman Show the nineties as well? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah, so a lot of films and then obviously more recently stuff like Free Guy have been been doing this sort of stuff. So it's a great great story but different to all those others because it's so it's so much of a kind of a grounded sort of investigative you know it's, it's that kind of he's been accused of murder he's got to prove his innocence kind of story mm. yeah exactly which again yeah, they were yeah, making loads of those in the 90s yeah. you know mission impossible and everything but this is so you know not not action driven it's character driven it's it's slowly paced it's but it's only about an hour and a half long it's yeah. a it's a nice it's it's a good watch i would say i i'd say i'd like I love this, and I would love anybody else who hasn't seen it to go and check it out. Oh, and Sherry Appleby and Alison Lohman have very small roles in it, if you remember those. Um, I was looking up Alison Lohman, and she actually did a TV series with Craig Bearco a few years ago called Unreal, coincidentally. Oh, yeah. I don't know if they... Because they don't really... Um, in in this, she, uh, she's got such a tiny role. And then, uh, say, um, like... 15 years later, they were working together on another show. I thought that was quite interesting. No, sorry, uh, Sherry Appleby, not Alison Lohman. Sherry Appleby is the one who did has, did, did the show Unreal. And Alison mm -hmm. Lohman has a very, like, blink-and-you'll-miss-her appearance. Uh, Selfless, that's another film. Have you ever seen that one, the Ryan Reynolds one? I don't think so. That's like Ryan Reynolds and Bert and Ben Kingsley swap bodies or something like that. Oh, I... yeah, I, I, I remember it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. 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 Again, now. 
lots of films very interesting on the thing. Mm. Now, Craig Bierko. Mm. From The Long Kiss Goodnight. That's where I remember him from, exactly. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, he's the baddie in that. The main, the main bad guy. Yeah, so. he's like the hench. Isn't he like the henchman? Or is he the main guy? He's is... he's basically the main guy, yeah. Uh, um, I don't really remember that because I never really loved The uh, Long Kiss Goodnight. Uh, it, it never really clicked with me, that one. No, no I love that one. Great. Yeah, I keep meaning to watch it again. Yeah, you used to have it on Laserdisc. Because I love Shane Black, so I don't know why it didn't yeah. kind of gel with me, that one. But um, yeah, but, it's like, yeah, that was one of his kind of main roles a couple of years before this one, like three or four yeah. years before this one. But this is a genuine find if you've not seen it before. Um, and and, I, and I, for me personally, it's down to that stupid cover. I think it just, it just didn't entice me at all. But there you go. Um, this is currently available to rent on Amazon Prime in the UK. I'm sure it's on Hulu or somewhere in the States, I'm sure. And it's free and it's free to people with Prime Video at the yeah. moment as well. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, we, we highly recommend you go check this one out. Um you, you may side with Steve and say it's not all that, but you know, then again you might be oh, thinking well, <laughs> I enjoyed it. Yeah. I did enjoy it. I'm not saying it's, it's terrible, but it's mm. just not quite as good as you think it is. Like. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really did enjoy this. So there you go. Uh, we don't score the uh, throwbacks. We, we just recommend you go find them and check them out. And that is the end of this week's show. So thank you very much to Rich and Steve for joining me in this very, very cold January. Thankfully, we got Scott Atkins and Michael J. White and James Nunn to warm us up. <laughs> I know that's, that sounds really bad, actually. But... Oh, it's so bad trying to ad lib. Really is. Anyway, um, don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Twitter at the DTB Digest and at the Short Shots, the DTB Short Shots, uh, where we've got a whole library of links to some excellent, excellent shorts. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time. Thank you for listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.